Hello, good people of the planet, and welcome to everybody's favorite science podcast in the Annapolis Valley, right up your algae. Sorry we peaced out there for a minute. We were busy with exams, and then we went home for Christmas. So I hope everybody had a good holidays and spent time reflecting on your year and spending time with your loved ones, even if you don't celebrate anything in December. So just in case you were wondering, my name's Clara, and I'm here today with my wonderful, beautiful co-host, Emily. Thank you for the flattering intro, Clara. Yes, and welcome to season two and to 2024. So in today's episode, I want to talk to something that's very near and dear to me, probably one of the biggest passions of mine, and I'm actually working on my honors project on it, as well as in one of my classes, I'm doing a whole research about this one specific thing. It's a muscular mycorrhizal fungi. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. Okay. So Emily, do you know anything about arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi hereafter referred to as AMF? From what I know about it from some of the classes that I've taken, it sort of has a relationship with the roots. Yep. That's the extent of my knowledge. It can like help them get more nutrients is what I've heard. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's one part about it. And today everybody's going to be an expert on AMF. All right. Ooh. So we're ready. Okay. So AMF are actually symbiotic obligate biotroph that is mycorrhizal. So when I am talking about mycorrhizal, it basically means it forms this relationship with the plant to help it grow and also sequester nutrients. This relationship is required for AMF to actually complete their life cycle. So this is where it comes, uh, the obligate part of it. So it needs the plant in order to complete its life cycle and reproduce. And it is beneficial for both the plant and the fungi. Therefore, like that symbiotic relationship, kind of a mutualism. However, this relationship can change depending on the nutrient conditions in the soil. So for example, sometimes, and we'll talk about this a little bit later with phosphorus, AMF really help with phosphorus sequestration. And if there's too much phosphorus in the soil, well, the relationship to the plant isn't going to be beneficial because they can get that phosphorus by themselves. But if there's no phosphorus in the soil, they might need a bit of extra help sequestering that. And so this is where AMF come in. And because it's this symbiotic relationship, this mycorrhizal symbiotic relationship, one basically needs to provide the other with something. So plants provide the AMF with carbon and the AMF provide the plant with like a multitude of different things. So it's obviously pretty energy intensive, right? For the plant to be providing the AMF with all this carbon. So if there's too much phosphorus in the soil, then the plant is just going to say, you know, this is kind of a parasitic relationship at that point, right? Because it's taking from it. But it's generally classified as a mutualistic relationship. And another really cool tidbit about AMF is that they actually form relationships with about 70 to 90% of all land plants. Wow, I didn't know it was so prevalent. Yeah, so and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but AMF are super cool. Like, so, so super cool. <laughs> like, they're in pretty much every ecosystem you can find them. And I think there's only two types of plants that they don't really form relationships with, but Anyways, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. AMF is a type of endomycorrhizal fungi. Now, you might be thinking, what the F is that? Anyways, <laughs> so there are basically two groups of mycorrhizal fungi. And one of them is ectomycorrhizal fungi. And the other is endomycorrhizal fungi. So ectomycorrhizal fungi are those that do not penetrate the cell wall. These fungi grow and multiply on the outside and around the cells of the roots. A good example of this would be an Ammonita muscaria. Uh, or the common name fly garrick. And if you have emojis <laughs> or seen any picture of a mushroom, mushroom. 
It is the mushroom. It's that red mushroom with the white dots on it. That's, <laughs> that's the Ammonita muscaria. Another example of an ectomycorrhizal fungi, pretty common one that you might find at the grocery store, which is the chanterelle mushroom. So basically, these guys have relationships with things like trees, and they also help them get nutrients, but it's in a different way. So they do not penetrate the cell, the cell wall. However, an endomycorrhizal fungi is a fungi that does penetrate the cell wall of a plant. And it is kind of a complex process, but we're going to go through it because I find it super fascinating. And this is basically what this episode is about. It's a super fascinating process. It's, it's kind of complex relationship because when, you know, something invades a plant, it's going to be like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. Like, get out of me. <laughs> but in this type of relationship, eventually it recognizes that it's not, you know, like an enemy of the plant. Endomycorrhizal fungi actually penetrate the cortex cells in plants. So it's kind of like a couple layers underneath that surface that we see, the root surface. It's like two or three layers underneath, but don't worry about that. I'll post a diagram on Instagram so everybody can see the beautiful um, diagram of plant root. <laughs> Thank you, Clara. This did bring up a question, the point that you had just said before. Dude, this might be stupid. Maybe this is intuitive. I'm not sure. Do plants have immune systems? More or less, I would think. Like, not as complex maybe as our immune system, but, like, they have immune responses. They do things. have, they have a lot of immune responses. Now, I can't name them all. Yeah. <laughs> but I you, wouldn't take some <laughs> But there's different things, like, you know, like the sap in trees, and they have these different chemical signals and these different mechanisms of protecting themselves from outside invaders now. Whether they're effective or not is kind of a different story because, you know, you look at a tree and you can see lots of invaders, but I guess it also depends whether it's an exotic invader or if it's an invader that's native to the area. So, for example, there's another type of fungi, and it's in the Ascomycetes group. You know when you see those Norway maples? You walk down and you see Norway maples. They're an invasive species. They're kind of everywhere. And you look at their leaves, and they have these black spots on them. Have you ever seen that? I don't know. Probably. Okay. Maybe. So they're these like maple trees and they have these like tar spots on them. They're like these black spots. So that is the Ascomycetes fungi. But in our native maples, they don't actually infect them because they have a, they've evolved to have mechanisms that prevent the fungi from actually getting in the, the leaf. Now That's it doesn't, interesting. yeah, it doesn't destroy the, the plant by any means. It's just ugly and people just don't like it. <laughs> But I, I mean, it is a Norway maple, and maybe they shouldn't be in Nova Scotia, but anyways, I digress. So let's talk about the process in which AMF enter the plant cells, because so fascinating. Absolutely cool. Okay, so I'm going to be using some pretty fancy words, okay, because if there's one thing we know about biology is they like to use the most complex of the words. But don't worry if you don't quite understand it. I just wanted to include it because I find it so fascinating. But turns out it took up most of the episode. Okay. So first, you have this spore, the spore that's floating around in the soil, okay? Not, not really, but, you know, it's in the soil. And then it comes in contact with a plant cell, and it produces these signals that says, yo, I'm about to penetrate you, like, get ready for me. <laughs> not unlike a guy you might meet at the bar. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Is there a less gross way to that, <laughs> No. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it's a it's a mic factor that they send out, and it's something that they've evolved over time. And it's really cool because actually nitrogen-fixing bacteria use the same factor. Um, anyways, 
once this spore finds the root, then it's like, okay, so it sends out mixed factors and then it creates hyphodium. And hopefully I pronounced that right. I should know how to pronounce it, but like I said, biology, difficult. <laughs> so this basically looks like a little foot that connects onto the, you know, the outer part of the, the root. And it's like, I'm going to stick here. I'm not going to let the spore leave. This is where we're going to penetrate the root. We're coming, we're coming for you. Okay, then there's the formation of the pre-penetration apparatus. So basically, lots of chemical signaling is going on here. And what's really cool is the nucleus of the plant cell actually is, acts as a guide during this process mm -hmm. to guide the hyphae through the roots. Okay. So it's really interesting. And again, I'll post a diagram of it, but and it changes the whole makeup of the cell inside. Like it changes how things, like in the position of where things are and some things get enlarged and th some things have to shrink to allow for this penetration of the AMF, which I just think is like super cool. I don't fully understand it. It's, <laughs> I understand it enough. <laughs> After this pre-penetration apparatus, the fungal hyphae, which is basically a filamentous branching structure. So, you know, you have a root. Think of it like that, except like super microscopic and not, well, it doesn't have to always be super microscopic, but it is definitely like quite tiny. So I found this really cool example that in one gram of soil, there can be seven to 20 meters of hyphae. Whoa. Yeah. In one gram of soil. So they're pretty tiny, not like the size of a root, but they kind of look like it. And so this enters the cortex. So without going into much more detail about hyphae, I just thought I'd bring that fact up and just explain like they kind of look like a root. They're not a root. So once the hyphae entered the cortex cell, there is two types of formations that might occur. One is the arbuscules and one is a vesicle. Now, you might be asking, what in the hell is this girl talking about? <laughs> I know why. <laughs> so as there was a lot of jargon thus far in the episode, I just wanted to take a little break, a little breather, and see if Emily has ever heard these terms before in her whole life. Now, Emily, think very carefully. Have you heard of the word vesicle? Yes, I have. Now, what comes to mind when you think of that? I think of, like, intercellular processes. I think of the Golgi body. I think of, I think of a little vesicle. You think of the vesicle vehicle. They transport things around the cell. Okay, so, so kind of like a container ship, you might say. Yeah. Are we going into an analogy here, Claire? We are, but it's coming up later. <laughs> yes, like a container ship. Okay, and now you think of arbuscules. I have only heard this from you and your work, so uh, <laughs> limited. <laughs> limited is my knowledge of whatever that means. That is totally okay. So an arbuscule is basically branching hyphae inside of that cortex cell, and it kind of looks a little bit like a tree, you might say, or like a really fancy bush, you know? It has the limbs going everywhere, kind of like funky looking. And this is the point of bidirectional nutrient transfer between the plant cell and the fungus itself. So remember we talked about before that like the AMF bring in stuff like phosphorus. Now that's not the only thing it brings in. It does bring in other micronutrients and sometimes uh, nitrogen as well. So it brings in those nutrients for the plant. And then the plant exchanges with that and gives it carbon. There's actually this really cool study done. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such a nerd about these things, but we learned about it in uh, my mycology class. Basically, an AMF will either like reward a plant partner or not reward it. So if one plant is going to give it more carbon than the other, that one is going, like, the AMF is going to go there. 
But if, and it's kind of the reverse too. So if one type of AMF is going to give the plant more phosphorus, it'll have a better symbiotic relationship with that AMF compared to the other AMF that won't provide it as much phosphorus. So is it like the plant will provide, the plant will provide more for the AMF that is more useful to the plant? Yeah, and vice versa. That is so weird. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> so again, like arbuscules are the point of bidirectional nutrient transfer. And we talked about vesicles, right? We talked about those container ships. So what do container ships do? They store things, right? So vesicles in AMF are actually like a point of storage for these nutrients. So when there's too much nutrients, or maybe they want to transport it or whatever, they have these vesicles. And they're so cool looking. They're amazing looking. Um, sometimes it's hard to see the, the arbuscules. I've only seen a few before. Seen lots of hyphae. Um, seen lots of vesicles. But I'm going to post a picture of some vesicles on Instagram as well that I took yesterday. <laughs> they're so big. <laughs> they're really pretty. Anyways. Okay, so now that we've gone over that, I want to talk about the historical reasons that AMF are just so important. So the formation of the phyla glomomycota is fairly new, but this is the phyla that AMF fall into. So you have things like one of the only species that I'm familiar with is like the glomalus and uh, rhizophagus as well. So those are a couple of different genus AMF that are in this phyla glomomycota. One interesting fact about AMF is since they're primary establishment in historical time, their morphology has practically remained unaltered. That's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they haven't really changed that much. Okay. Which is pretty cool. And this has been through like a little bit over, but around 400 million years ago. So it's a long time for things to remain fairly unchanged. Like sharks? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, that's just what I think of. <laughs> yeah, like sharks, but a little bit different. <laughs> Just a little bit. So again, they're highly successful, right, in what they do. They're good at what they do, so they don't have to change or change very little. And as well, the first land plants actually had a relationship with AMF. So it is hypothesized that there was actually a co-evolution of roots and of these AMF structures within plants. And as plants became more complex, they started to form branching structures from their rhizomes to allow for more nutrient trade with AMF and also help with like plant growth and development. One of the reasons people think that, you know, plants moved onto land was actually this relationship between AMF and the plant itself. So some of the first bryophytes, in one of the studies I read, they said one of the first bryophytes had a relationship with AMF, so like mosses and stuff. And I'm not sure uh, how many mosses have relationships with AMF now. So I just thought that was really cool. And some are like orchids and stuff. They, they have an ectomycorrhizal fungi, but a mycorrhizal fungi nonetheless. They cannot survive without it. So, you know, they need this relationship. Okay, so I quickly want to talk about, I kind of addressed it before, but I just want to say like the carbon from the plant just in case you guys don't know, it comes from photosynthesis. So this nutrient interaction comes from photosynthesis. So now that we understand a bit more about AMF and, you know, how it operates, I want to move on to how it's kind of being used in agriculture today with some cool research that's been done. I'm not going to go super in-depth about this because, you know, we've hit our 20-minute mark and our episodes are not always that long. So. <laughs> AMF is actually being used a lot in agriculture and a lot of new research is coming out on it in different types of ecosystems, like salt marshes. You can find information about AMF in different types of like fungal diversities in salt marsh, which I just think is like super cool as well. Some 
Benefits of AMF that I haven't mentioned yet include pathogen resistance in many crops, aiding in abiotic stressors, and basically improving the overall uh, health of the plant. So when I've been doing my research on AMF, I've been finding it super fascinating, the effects that it can have in some of these like abiotic stress environments. So like this includes drought, temperature, salt in the soil and stuff like that. So AMF have actually been shown to improve growth. In one study by Ladef and Bating in 2014, they looked at the benefits that AMF had in salt stress areas with pepper plants, and they found that AMF did have a beneficial effect in reducing the salt stress on that plant, so helping it with its growth and water retention. Another cool benefit of AMF is the reduction of disease symptoms in crops. So AMF have been able to show reduced symptoms of phytopathogenic fungi, such as like fusarium wilts. I think I came across a study before talking about fusarium wilt in blueberries. Now it could be mistaken, but I'm going to try to find it. But there has been a lot of studies on this, as well as different types of uh, phytopathogenic fungi. You might be able to find some on pythiums and phytophthora as well. AMF have also been able to reduce phytopathogenic bacteria such as P. singae in soybeans by suppressing population growth. And that was a study that was conducted by Shalbe and Hannah in 1998. So these are just a few examples and there's many more studies, but I could do an entire episode about how AMF help with pathogen resistance and different types of stresses within the environment. And there's like so many studies, but I did not look them all up for this episode. <laughs> so are there any questions, Emily? I guess I'm just surprised that you haven't brought up apple replant disease yet. <laughs> well, I wanted to do a whole different episode on apple replant disease because it's very complex. And um, so that's something that I'm working on on my own honors as well as apple replant disease, which is a disease that affects the root systems and growth of uh, young apple trees, and it causes a lot of defects. Um, but there's a lot of different methods of actually uh, how to reduce the symptoms of ARD, and like they're endless. Some have done compost, there's different pesticides that have been used, as well as like different types of Fungal specimens, like not just endomycorrhizae, but also like ectomycorrhizae have been used. Just like countless things. And so I, if I really want to dive deep onto it, then I'll have to, you know, do some more research on all the different methods that have been used to counteract some of those pathogen kind of juice. <laughs> Sorry, that's not the right word. <laughs> it's like a consortium of pathogens, like just like all these guys working together as a group to kill off the trees <laughs> anyways <laughs> so what i'm hearing is this is a two-parter clara the second part may come yeah in sure the distant future in the, distant. the near future yeah just to say yeah exactly and you know what after taking my mycology course this semester you guys are getting a lot of episodes upcoming about fungi and i hope you're well prepared for it <laughs> well i'm very excited to hear them clara yeah, and all that you really need to take away from this episode is the definition of hyphae, which are like those branching filamentous structures that kind of resemble roots, as well as what an endomycorrhizal fungi is, what a symbiont is, and what an ectomycorrhizal fungi is. And now you can impress your friends with some fun, like, trivia facts. Like, did you know that AMF are colonize 70 to 90% of land plants? 
And then all your friends will be like, wow, you're so cool. Yeah, you're so smart. Moving on to everybody's favorite segment. Trivia! Emily, are you ready to be grilled? No. I'm born ready. I know that. Okay. Um, so most of this is stuff I've gone over in the episode, so you should be able to answer every single question without fail. Without fail. Can I have one fail? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what phyla are AMF in? Kittred mycota? Zygomycota, Ascomycota, Ascidiomycota, or Glomeromycota? Glomeromycota. Glo- the last one. Yes, Glomeromycota. That's right. What does AMF stand for? Arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi. That's right. Good job. Good job. What are the two structures that are made by AMF? Is it vesicles and arbuscules? That's correct. Good job. What type of relationship does AMF form with plant roots? No, a list four. Competition, commensalism, mutualism, or parasitism? Mutualism. Yes. Mostly. <laughs> Good job. I was going to say, I got you. It's a trick question. <laughs> no, but for the most part, no, it is a mutualistic relationship. So what is true about fungi? I'm going to list four things. Now pay very close attention. One, they glow in the dark. Two, they're more closely related to us than plants. Three, they can turn some insects into zombies. Four, they are the largest living thing on Earth. Well, they can't all do some of those things. Like, they can't all... I didn't say they all had to do that. They all can't turn insects into... They all kind of sound right. Is that your answer? Yeah. Good job! It was a trick oh, question! <laughs> All of those facts are true. And the coolest one is that they're the largest living thing on Earth. Well, that's what I think is the coolest one. Is that is that arguable? Nope. Or is that a fact? That's a fact! Oh, okay. So it's actually a species of honey mushroom that lives in Oregon. And in this like article written from the Scientific American by Ann Castleman in 2007, so since then... Again, it has grown. This fungi is actually like thousands of years old and spans like large areas in this forest in Oregon. So it's estimated to be about 2,400 years old, but could be as ancient as 8,650 years old. And it takes up about 2,384 acres of land. And the species is Amarillia ostiae. That I thought was super cool. Um, learned about that in class as well. It's way bigger than the blue whale. So don't come at me. Fungi are amazing. End of today's lesson, guys. Thank you so much, Clara. That was such a wonderful episode. I learned so many wonderful things. Yeah. All right. So don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram so you can see my really cool, amazing photos that I took of AMF. They're super fascinating. So cool. I love them. Anyways, I can't emphasize to you guys enough how much I love AMF. So follow us on Instagram. And if you have any comments, anything like you have a topic idea or you want us to talk about something in our next episodes, just, you know, shoot us an email. Or you can even DM us on Instagram. We'll respond to that. So our email is freeapodcast at outlook.com. 
And our Instagram is right up your algae podcast on Instagram. Okay. Thank you. And we hope this episode was right up your algae. algae.